Nehemiah chapter 6, I do want to say thank you to the church for making it possible for me to go to the Philippines. And what a joy it was to uh, travel all over there with my son Stephen and both of us preaching. That was just a real uh, highlight of that uh, trip as well. And uh, it was funny. One of the things that seems to be a reoccurring theme among those Filipinos that come here, they're scared to death of the cemetery. And uh, now, now that gives me some ideas. Next time we have some Filipinos here, I'm going to really give them something to be scared of. But, um, but it was great. I, I was talking one night. I said, uh, remember there was a Filipino couple. They, they were planning on coming here, and it was getting late. And he calls me, preacher, I'm lost. They says, the GPS says I'm here at your church, but there's nothing here but corn. And so we finally directed him, and I didn't know who that was. He came up to me afterwards and said, that was me, preacher. And uh, so I met a lot of the uh, Filipinos that we don't support, but that have been through our church, and of course many others, some of the locals there that have uh, no support at all, really. And um, there's the churches, some without roofs, some without a floor, some that are just bamboo huts with a tin roof on it. And uh, you wouldn't believe some of the homes I was in. They call them homes. Uh, in fact, they're smaller than some closets I've been in here in America and have eight people living in them. And a dirt floor and just a tin roof on it. And uh, so it truly helps you appreciate what we have here in America. And, um, and then even worse than that was being in the city where they just kind of the slums where they build on to behind other buildings just put a piece of tin and share, and, and then corridors were so narrow you couldn't walk, I had to walk sideways to get through them, and of course everything seems small in the Philippines, but, um, and then they're sharing a one bathroom for five families, and the smell, the, just the, no privacy, it was, that was in the, uh, inner, the cities, but then you meet those people that have trusted Christ, and it's just a ray of sunshine, smile on their face no complaining, and um, like I said, they'll, you have church at 6 o'clock in the morning, they'll be there and excited. All right, well, Nehemiah chapter 6, before we read the scripture, let me remind you about the book that you hold in your hand. It is not an ordinary book. That is, this is God's Word. From cover to cover, there is no error in this book. I must add the old King James Bible, that's what we use right here because it is the closest to the original manuscripts. It is the Word of God that you hold in your hands. This book is not a book that uh, should be taken lightly. As we read it, we need to heed it, obey its every word. Uh, it'll give us guidance in life. It'll give us comfort in sorrow. Oh, the Word of God is a powerful book. Why? Because it's the living Word of God. And as we read Nehemiah chapter 6, in just the first four verses there, it says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Now, that could have got, uh, um, got a hold of his heart, thinking, Boy, these, these are important people. These are kings. These are leaders. And they want to meet me. 
But Nehemiah was not swayed at all. For he had a mission God had called him to do. And he knew that they uh, were going to do a mischief. Verse 3, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a, what's that next word? I am doing a great work. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why, I don't care if you're a king. I don't care if you are a powerful, most powerful individual in the world. I'm doing a great work for the king of kings and lord of lords. And I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Our Heavenly Father, as we look into thy word today, how we pray that our hearts would be able to receive it, apply it, and live it out uh, through this week. Lord, only you know the hearts of each individual here this morning. Only you are truly aware of the pain that some might be experiencing, the trials they might be going through, the, um, the temptations that they are struggling with. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us as we look into this scripture again just to find what we need there. And so have your way, and may each need that's represented here today be met. And especially if there be one, maybe more, that has never received Christ as their Savior. Or they may have even made a profession, but their life has not been changed. They still do not have that assurance that heaven is their home. And so I pray for that individual that they would finally surrender to you and let you have your way, that they can know for sure that heaven is their home. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now notice the context of the book of Nehemiah here. And if you remember, if you've read this recently, you'll note that there are many times where his enemies tried to stop him from doing the work of God. Let me, let me say this. If you and I are going to do a work for God, there is going to be some opposition. The devil hates the fact that there's a church here in this community that's preaching the gospel. He does. He's going to do everything he can to get us to stop doing what we know the Lord has called us to do. The same thing in the Philippines. Churches all over, they're, they're, they're growing, but there's, there's struggles and there's opposition. Uh, and, and there's such a great need. Yes, it's a great work, but there's a great need. And it could cause some to be discouraged. But look at chapter 4. There we see there's opposition here. There was uh, ridicule. It came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth. He was very angry. And he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he even said, oh, listen, if a fox runs on that wall, it's so weak it'll crumble and fall. By the way, that wall is still standing to this day. And so these were uh, uh, just words trying to discourage the, the man of God and the people of God. And then look at verse 10. And Judah said, that is of chapter 4, Judah said, The strength of bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Man, the brethren were discouraged here, and, and uh, these people were, or, were wanting to quit. And he went on and said, Our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in their midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. It's useless, some were saying. It's too much for us to do. It's such a hard work. And the enemy wants, is going to kill us. 
And so they were discouraged. Uh, so another, another opposition here. Look at chapter 5. There was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We are sons and our daughters are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. And we, you can read on there. But they were, there were some among them that were a little greedy. They didn't want to sacrifice. And they wanted it all for themselves. And, and again, more opposition. Not only opposition from without, but from within. And then we see in chapter 6, uh, this uh, threat here from the enemy. And so, Nehemiah's dedication, Nehemiah's service to the Lord here is a loud witness of what a true servant of God ought to be. And so Satan and his crowd are always trying to get his, the Lord's servants to quit. Have you been tempted? Maybe you find yourself, it's not an obvious thing. Maybe you find yourself thinking, you know, I, I, I'm so busy and I just don't have time to read the scriptures. I know I should, but I'm too busy. You see, that's the old devil. He's working, trying to get you to stop doing the work of God. Oh, I know I, I should witness to my coworkers and my fellow students. I know I should be a witness to, to my neighbors, but... But, you know, again, I, uh, I'm too busy. Or what would they say? I, I will be rejected. Or whatever the excuse may be. And, and we, we continue to listen to the opposition to the devil who wants to get us to come down from off the wall. I want to encourage all of us today. Do not quit. Do not come off the wall. Stay at doing the work of God. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, those Filipinos are hard workers. What you and I take for granted here, I mean, they, everything is, is harder there. From the farming to everything else. Uh, we were driving along and there comes a water buffalo pulling an ox, or pulling a cart. Uh, and um, Brother Steve Arcega says, oh, a John Deere. <laughs> and that is their John Deere. And uh, everything's done by hand. I looked at all these buildings. Brother, uh, uh, Brother Abilene, Ogie Abilene had he, he actually designed all the buildings that he built these chapels all around. And, 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 he, uh, and I said, well, what about, about all the, the concrete, the flooring and all? I said, oh, we do all that by hand, mix it all by hand. A lot of concrete. And they put all those walls up. It's a lot of work. They do it all by hand. And so it does take longer. It does take work. And we were out in different, we were in the city, we were in the country, we are all in these different places. And, and these young pastors, some are just in their early 20s, and they're so dedicated. And yet there's much opposition. They're struggling. I walked in the first one, a young man, I think he was 23 years old, and young pastor had surrendered to, to preach. And they, so the church building, they finally had a roof on this one. And uh, it was slowly being progressing along. But he designed, Brother Ogie designed little rooms on the backside of the church for them to live. And you walk in there, honestly, it's so small. It's all concrete, concrete floor. And yet he was as happy as can be. He was excited about preaching the gospel. And there were people getting saved. So thank God for that. But I'm just saying, here we're, we're, uh, we're always having our enemy 
or there's always someone trying to get us to quit, trying to get us to stop doing what God has called us to do. And so there are some great and wonderful things that, that have to be abandoned or will be if we come down off the wall and quit doing what God's called us to do. You know, not only there in the Philippines, but here. If not us, who is going to tell our coworkers, our fellow students about Christ? If we don't do it, who will? And, and if this church was not here, oh, by the way, that was a blessing too. I must insert because those, uh, just seeing the hundreds of Filipinos in those churches and all of them are so thankful. So make sure you thank your church. We don't know if we'd be saved if it were not for this ministry here. And you supported that for all those years. And so God, only God knows how many have been, lives have been changed because of that investment we've made. But uh, how many people here would not have been reached? How many people here would not have heard the gospel? And so we must understand the work is too important. But there are, you know, and I, I want to preach for a while on that thought and just, just staying with it. Don't quit. Stay on the wall. If, if we don't stay with it, if we don't keep on keeping on for God, here's what we abandon. We abandon the work. Speaking of that word abandoned, in, um, in the Philippines, there's children all over that have been abandoned. Uh, we were driving through Manila, and Manila is a madhouse of traffic. But a little six, seven-year-old kid could not have been any older than that, just knocking on windows trying to get some pesos. And they were everywhere. Children are being offered. Uh, they're trying to sell their children because sometimes it's because of drugs and, and other things. But um, children have been abandoned all over the streets there. But I think about what, we, what happens when we quit. What happens when we say, Lord, I'm tired of, of doing this work. It's just there's too much opposition. There's too many uh, individuals who are against it. And what we do is we, like those children who are abandoned, we abandon the work that God has given us to do. Look there again with me, if you would, at verse 3. And I sent messages unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. And, and so this is the work that would be abandoned. Nehemiah's call and commission was to a great work. And I remind all of us here today that our call, our commission here to this, the Knobs Baptist Church, the work of God is a great work. Now we may not be known by all around the world. In fact, there's people, you don't have to go very far. Tower Hill, where, where, I, I, where is that? And uh, they're not sure. That's all right. But the work that we have been called to do is a great work. Not just for this pastor, but for every individual in the pew. And so Nehemiah had that mindset. Any work that is for the Lord is a great work. Every Sunday school teacher here, I want you to know that your work is a great work. Don't let the devil tell you, oh, this is, you know, the kids don't listen or uh, my students don't want to hear me, I have so much uh, effort to, to study this lesson. I, I know those thoughts may cross your mind, but remember, this is a great work for God. Was that not David's attitude? If you would, turn over to Psalms. Keep your finger there in Nehemiah, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, 
in verse 10. Psalm 84, verse 10, here's David's attitude about serving the Lord. And he says in Psalm 84, 10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, listen, David had it right, and so should we. I don't care what it is that you do for the Lord. It, you, you may think it, no one notices, no one sees it, it's not in the limelight, but God does. And the work that you do for God is a great work. And so don't be discouraged. Even to have a small part, that's kind of the way, you know, I, I was humbled standing before a lot of those, we, several days we had just all these pastors from all these village churches and, and they are living without anything, but they had such a zeal for God. One, one fellow, he's a local preacher up in the mountains. In fact, they still, the people that he's working with, they use bow and arrow, they live off the land. It's very primitive. But this preacher, and he's from that kind of area. He doesn't speak English very well at all, but uh, he goes out and preaches in Tagalog every day, goes into the cities that are close by and preaches on the streets. And he's had people saved. So praise God, what a commitment that is. And so Nehemiah's call, he said, this is this was a commission to a great work, and so are we. Let's not lose sight of that. Let's not think, oh, well, it's not worth it. It's, it's too, uh, you know... Uh, we're not doing much here and we're just getting by. No, it's a great work that we're involved in. Why? Because it's God's work. It's not some individual's work. It's God's. And then also Satan will try every trick in his arsenal, every weapon in his arsenal to get you and I to step down, to come down from the wall. But I uh, encourage you and I exhort you just to stay on the wall where God puts you. Look, uh, I, I think, um, let me have you turn there too. In James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Satan is going to do everything he can, but I want to uh, again remind us all here today that greater is he that is in us that is the Lord, than he that is in this world, the devil. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. There's the first thing that we need to do. Submit to him. God, you are my authority. You are king. When you speak, may I jump. I'm not, uh, may you give me a heart that I will not question and say, well, Lord, why should I do that? But no, just say, yes, sir, I will do as you've commanded. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. I, I, I say to you today, you cannot resist the devil until you've submitted to God. And that must happen first. Submit to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? The devil will flee from you. We can send him running like a dog with his tail between his legs. If we submit to God, then we have the power and the, uh, the ability to resist the devil. Then you're not too far from there. Go over to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. 2 Peter 3, 14. Here the word of God says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, diligent 
that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Oh, listen, let's not, uh, let's be diligent. Let's be hard at it. Know this, that everything that's done for God is not done in vain. That one day, God is keeping a record. Though no one may see it, though no one may know about what you're doing for God, God does, and he is keeping a record. And you will be rewarded one day. Well, oh, to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Nehemiah, I'm sure, heard that because he didn't abandon the work. But if we do, there's going to be much that, uh, uh, that is not accomplished that should have been uh, for God. But Satan's going to try every trick. He's going to try to discourage us. And, uh, but discouragement is real. I understand that. That's why we have to stay in the book. That's why we have to stay submitted to God. That's why we have to stand, understand that this is a great work we're doing. Yes, there may be some that fall by the wayside. Yes, there may be some that uh, never really get involved in the work. But that does not excuse our lack of, of involvement. That does not excuse us to quit and say, okay, well, if everyone else is, we might may as well also. Souls are dependent upon it. Then also see God's plan and his work are just too great for us to abandon them for the devil's foolishness. I've never met anyone that said, you know, I'm so glad that when I was a young man or young woman, I just did, you know, lived a, a wild life. Party, party, party. Did what the devil wanted me to do. And as I look back, boy, am I so thankful I did. No, I've heard the exact opposite. I've heard them with regret, with guilt. Say, oh, I'm so sorry that I lived the way I did. It didn't just affect me. It affected everybody around me. But there are no regrets for those who commit their life to God and not to the foolishness of the devil. The devil's a great advertiser. He will make things look so enticing and so good and make us, he will convince us that this is what we need, that this is actually good for us, when in reality, his plan, his desire is to destroy us. So we need to be on the job 24 hours a day, everywhere we go. God wants to use us. Everywhere we go, there are people who are lost. Everywhere we go. It's, you know, when you're a, a, a born-again Christian, it's really not that easy to quit. What I mean by that, you can walk away. That part is easy. But you can't uh, get away from what God wants you to do. The guilt, the shame, the uh, discipline of the Lord, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. In fact, I remind you of the apostles in John chapter 21 and verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, and Brother Morris, you mentioned this this morning, said unto, unto the other apostles, I go fishing. I failed God. I've denied him. And there's no more ministry for me. There's no more that I can do. I am a failure. So I'm just going to go back doing what I know. Go back to my comfort zone. Go back to what uh, I was good at. And so he went back to fishing. And the other men joined him. So they say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. 
And that night they caught all kinds of fish. No, they caught nothing. Oh, we're just going to go back. And what the, the, here's the problem. If you're truly born again, you just can't go back to the way you used to be. You're not, it's not going to be the same. Why? Because you are a new creature. You are a child of God. Peter thought, I'll just go back to fishing. That's what I know. That's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I've made a living with. But he caught nothing. Peter would never be the fisherman that he was before because God had called him to do something else. He would never be a success. I've seen uh, individuals who drop out of doing what God wanted them to do, and they never see success in their life uh, because they are running from God. It's, it's hard to quit. You can't just walk away from God, walk away from his will, and, and just have everything fall back in place like it used to be. No, the disciples found that out to be true, and so will you, and so will I, if I am so foolish to follow the uh, advice of the devil. So we abandon the work, and the work is too great. The work is God's work. And then number two, we abandon the right way. Also there in, in uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 3, and I sent messages unto them saying, I, I am doing a great work. You know, it seems, uh, <clears throat> it seems to have been Nehemiah's manner of life, his way to give 100% of himself to the work, to his work. To come down would have been a step down. Oh, but these men were important. They were asking to meet with him. These men were, were uh, not only positioned, but they were wealthy. And maybe, you know, it's amazing how our minds work. We begin to justify what we know we should not do. Well, maybe, maybe they are going to give us a great gift to help us build the wall. And uh, maybe, and you, we began to go through all of this, but uh, Nehemiah did not do that. He had committed himself 100% to the work, and he would not step down. And understand this. If you're doing God's will, any, any movement away from that is a step down. You say, but I, I have an opportunity. Boy, I, I have an opportunity to get a position of great prominence, and I can make a lot of money. Well, let me tell you, it's a step down if it's out of the will of God. And so uh, make sure you're, you're where God wants you in doing this great work. And Nehemiah would have had to turn his back on the right way. There's not many right ways. There's only one right way. It's here's the right way and here's the wrong way. And Nehemiah had a clear vision of this. He knew what God, had wanted, it, what God wanted him to do. And he committed 100% to it. And to do anything else to the right or to the left was wrong. It was, so he, uh, to step down would have been turning his back on the right way. Then also, when we step down from the Lord's work, we are turning away from the path of righteousness and godliness. God's call for you and I, Christian, is to walk that straight and narrow path. If you would, turn with me to Proverbs. I want to share a verse there, a couple verses. In Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23, and we'll read through the remainder of that chapter there. Keep thy heart 
or what that really means is guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And let me tell you, there are a lot of detours in life, are there not? I mean, the devil's going to put a, a detours all along that path. Uh, this, this is a better way. Well, this is an easier way. And whatever it may be. But we need to stay right straight ahead on the path that God has put us on. And we know what that path is. There is no question about that. We know what God's will is. Let's just do it. And not be swayed by every wind of doctrine that comes along. Not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Let's not be uh, moved from our beliefs in the word of God. Because so many don't believe it. We know we're on the right path. We know this is the truth. So let's walk straight ahead in it. Don't be distracted by all the detours along the way. And uh, so, to, so here we find that, that uh, these to abandon the right way is going to not only affect us individually, it'll affect every individual around us. Our duty before the Lord is to faithfully carry out His will and His commands to do His work efficiently, joyfully, and faithfully. To step down is to compromise. To step down from doing what God has called us to do is a compromise. Let's not forget Israel. Back when they came out of Egypt, and Moses was on, the, on, on Mount Sinai, and he's gone for a long time, but what did they do? They went to Aaron and said, we've got to build a, uh, an image. Uh, we've got to have something to worship. And he built the calf. And they began to worship that calf. And, and they abandoned the right way. They abandoned uh, that, the truth and followed the lie. Here they're saying this calf led us through uh, this Red Sea, brought us uh, out, of, out of Egypt. And that was just an image. We had no ears to hear, no hands to do anything, no mouth to speak. And they, they foolishly, uh, the step down was a compromise in their whole life. We must ever hold to that which is right, even if we are standing alone. And, um, but when the dust settles, we'll see that we're not alone. Know what is right. Stand on what is right. Because in, in going the right way, God is always with you. Nehemiah knew that. Not the popular way. It was not the way of, of maybe great riches, at least what he could see in this world. But it was the right way. You know what is right? You know, most of the time, Christians, it's not a debate in our minds. Is this right or is this wrong? We honestly know. Here's what often happens. We convince our own self. Well, you know, it's not so bad. Why, everybody's doing this. Why, this is the 21st century. You know, we got to catch up with the times. And I, I mean, we just, it's amazing how we can begin to justify things in our own mind and, and to try to satisfy ourselves that we're actually in the right way when we're going the wrong way. Anything contrary to this book right here is the wrong way. We've got to be stand in it in this truth. 
standing on the promises, as we sang earlier. And then thirdly, we abandon not only the right way, not only the work of God, but we abandon our witness. Again, still there in verse 3. He said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah held a great place of, of authority and respect among the people. If he had come down, the, the work would have stopped. If he came down, many would have stopped working and, and it, possibly the work would have never been finished. Why? Because all of Jerusalem was watching Nehemiah. Now we could say, well, that's not fair. Why, Nehemiah, he needs some, his own time. Nehemiah, it's not fair that he has to have all that pressure on him and, and the weight of this put on him, but this is what God had called him to do. And let me remind you, where God calls, he provides. Where God guides, he provides, I guess, to make it rhyme. But it's true. If God leads you to do something, he will enable you to do it. So Nehemiah was not resting in his own strength. He was not trying to muster up enough power to accomplish this. He was leaning on God. God called him. God empowered him. In Jerusalem, though, Nehemiah was the leader. And the people watched him. And they emulated what they saw in their leader. So if he quit, they would quit. Most of them would have. They would have been discouraged at the very least. His witness also would have been ruined. He came with such high ambitions and, uh, uh, of doing God's work, this great work, and now he quit? Well, you know, his, uh, what, what witness would he have had then? Can you imagine the people that you and I have talked to about Jesus Christ, trying to share with them the gospel, and then if we quit, those people would think, well, I guess they didn't really believe what they were talking about. I guess it wasn't really that important if they can just walk away from what God had called them to do. Nehemiah understood his witness would have been ruined. The people would have been convinced that there really was um, a greater work than the Lord's work. Why, if Nehemiah quit this great work, there must be something more important than this that he's gone to do. So understand that us quitting, us stepping down, is going to impact so many others because many are watching. We need to realize that we are being watched by a growing body of young people or of younger new converts and impressionable believers. If you step down from the Lord's work, those new Christians may stumble. Matthew 18, 6, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones, those little ones, speaking of those new believers, which believe in me, he said, it were better for him than a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. God, help us to walk that straight line. God, help us to do your will before the little ones. And then the people outside Jerusalem were also watching. One false move and Nehemiah's credibility would have been destroyed. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Our lives ought to be squeaky clean. They ought to be spotless before a watching world. 
The danger of a spotted testimony, what happens? Well, our loved ones, our friends could possibly die and go to hell because of our sinful ways, of our unrepented heart. So what can we do? Stay with God. Stay on the wall. Stay teaching that Sunday school class. Stay uh, knocking on doors, talking to people about Jesus, passing out tracts. Stay with it. Stay faithful to God. Stay on the wall for Jesus. Keep on living for God and for him because there's many who are watching. In John chapter 6, if you would turn there, please. We're, we're almost to the end of this uh, message this morning. But in John chapter 6, just want to read a few verses there. John 6, 63. John 6, 63. Here the Bible says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some among you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Why should we stay with it? Why, when all the world seems to be going a different direction and we seem to be like a fish going against the stream, going against the current, why should we stay with it? Because of this great work of God. And like Peter said, where are we going to go? And then he said, you know, these are the words of eternal life. This is what the world needs. The work we do are doing is truly a great work. Let me get to my last point. Not only do we abandon when we step off the wall, we abandon the work, we abandon the right way, we abandon our witness for Jesus Christ, and then we abandon the welfare of the heathen. Jerusalem was known by all Jew and heathen alike as the place where God was worshipped. Jerusalem was well known. Nehemiah loved God. He wanted to rebuild this fallen city. His heart was broken for the needs here. And, and, and so that he wanted to rebuild it. Why? So that God would be worshipped and the lost could be converted unto him. To come down off the wall would have been equal to forgetting the eternal danger that the sinner is in. To come down off the wall and say, well, it's really not that important. It really doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't? It doesn't matter that people around us are dying and going to hell and that, that what they need is, the, is within the book that you hold in your hands, the gospel message, this truth. It doesn't matter. Well, if I quit and I, I just do my own thing, those maybe that you've already talked to, you've invited to church who are not Christians yet, will they say, well, I guess it must not be that important. We abandon the welfare and I say heathen, of the unsaved. To have come down off the wall would have been equal to forgetting the eternal danger that lost people are in. 
May we never forget. Anytime God is worshipped and proclaimed His truth and sincerity, what's going to happen? Souls will be saved. Oh, I wished I could report that every week someone's getting saved here at the Knobs Baptist Church. I think it could happen. But it's not right at this point. But we must understand that the work we're doing, there are people who are being reached. There are people who are getting saved. We need to stay at it, stay with it. And the more faithful we are, the more uh, uh, committed we become to this task of reaching the lost, the more people we're going to see come to know the Lord. Anytime God is worshipped and proclaimed in truth and sincerity, we are going to see his will accomplished. If we come down from our high calling in him, we have abandoned the lost. What we're saying is, well, I don't really care if they die and go to hell because I, I'm quitting. How can we quit in light of that very truth right there, that your loved ones, your friends, are just a heartbeat away from hell? You and I are the only light some people will ever see. And you know, we can complain and grumble about the darkness of our world spiritually, and it's true. It is a dark day, spiritually speaking. But the darker the night, the brighter the light. Oh, the brighter our light shine for Jesus Christ. So we must not be, allow our light to become dimmed. I remember um, working in the uh, grain elevator and the, uh, the lights would become covered with that dust and that just everything else in there. And the lights would become so dim. But then we would, from time to time, would clean those coverings off the lights. And boy, it was so much brighter. Let's not allow the filth of sin to dim the light of our life, of, of the light of Jesus Christ shining through us. Remember, we're like the moon. We just reflect that light, the light of Jesus. So we must not be dimmed by the world, but we must shine brightly, and we will. The darker the night, the brighter the light. I've said it before, but it's still true. You and I may be the only Bible some people will ever read. What are they reading in our lives today? So we must be clean. We must be pure. 1 Corinthians 14, 7 and 8, and even... Even these, excuse me, and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Let's not be uncertain in our, our words and our life. We know Jesus Christ. Let's live for him and do his will. So our duty is clear. Refuse to listen to the calls and the challenges of the devil to quit or to stop. Stay in the battle for Jesus Christ. And don't come down for any reason. And let me say, Christian, if you're not involved, if you're not on the wall, if you're not really serving God, get involved. Get into the place where you can find joy and peace and fulfillment of doing God's will. Anything other than the perfect center of God's will is no place, Christian, for you and I. If Nehemiah had come down, he would, he would have been in danger. 
for his, he even said that. If I come down, I know they, they want mischief for me. So will you and I. If we get come down from doing what we know God wants us to do as a church, as an individual, we'll be in danger because we're stepping out of that protective umbrella of God's will, and we're moving out on our, on our own. And so don't, don't think there's a better way out there. There is not. Stay on the wall. Finish the task, and God will ultimately bless your life and your effort. Are you serving the Lord today? Are you on the wall? Stay at it then. If you're not, get, it, get involved in, in doing God's work right here, right now. Don't put it off any longer. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.